Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once more to the Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program. Uh, we've taken a little bit of a break, just a week or so, but we're back. We're feeling refreshed. We're feeling ready to tackle all of the headiest and most interesting of bicycling discussions. Because that's what we do. We are a podcast by bike lovers for bike lovers, and we're going to talk about that. So I'm Greg, and with me is, he's my friend, he's your friend, he's the greatest, he's an all-around good guy, it's Matteo. Hey, Matteo. Hey, Greg. That was a very nice introduction that you just uh, that you just gave for me. That it was, was a, that was a very it was it was a lead in that made me feel warm and loved. I'm glad you liked it. It was it was almost content free because I didn't actually say anything about anything you do. I just said you were really nice. <laughs> but, I'm just I'm just a, just a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, he's just this really nice guy. It. You know, you should listen. I've to had him. I've had you know disastrous job interviews where they're like, "Do you know Microsoft Excel? Are you uh, proficient?" And I'm like, "You know, I'm just I'm a re- I get along." with people just really really well i'm an, I'm a nice guy I, I would yeah yes i would say that i'm a i'm a very nice guy i'm easy to work with yeah and then you know it's crickets and then i'm shown the door yeah, they usually like it when you answer their questions <laughs> or so i'm told i i don't know i've very few traditional job interviews have gone well for me but that's not what we're here to talk about <laughs> uh we are here to talk about bikes we are here uh this podcast is kind of a an opportunity for for me and Greg to sit back with each other in a cross country sort of way. Greg is in Boston. I'm in Minneapolis. We open ourselves an adult beverage and we talk about bike stuff that we think is interesting. We hope that you think is it's interesting as well. Right. And and so this uh particular opportunity is brought to you by um this is not actually an ad for anything, by the Paris-Roubaix cycle race, cycle race event. Uh, we are not actually going to, so we are recording this. I should pull back the curtain a little bit. We are recording this the very evening, April 12, 2015, at the most recent edition of this uh, Paris-Roubaix cycling tour race type thing has happened, and it has <laughs> been won by a man um, because there's no women's version of this race. But we're not going to talk about about this year's race. Instead, we're going to talk about uh, an edition of Paris-Roubaix from many, many years ago, 39 years ago, because tonight we will discuss probably the best, I'd say. Best? Would you say best? Best what? Well, probably the best cycling-related film, documentary film that has ever been made, uh, A Sunday in Hell. I would say that is a very safe characterization of a Sunday in hell. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I... And one of the one of the very special things about it is that it is in its almost two hour long glory is available on YouTube. So while you're at work this week, you can watch it. Yes. And it's we completely endorse watching YouTube videos at work, by the way. But if you're going to get in trouble, do it during your lunch break you know you know or we cannot endorse watching it while you're at <laughs> we also have interviewing tips for if you should watch too many bike races on youtube at work yes we know all about the corporate world we're here to help guide you through it 
But in the meantime, uh, we're going to talk about A Sunday in Hell. Uh, and, you know, it, it, look, this movie came out 39 years ago. Um, so spoilers for 1976 Paris Roubaix. All right. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't think we're going to hold anything back. What I thought, and you can tell me if you, how you feel about this approach, is uh, I, I thought that, you know, we could have some opening thoughts on it walk through it a little bit, not like literally scene by scene necessarily, but kind of go through the events a little and, and then just share, you know, any, any grab bag things or, or things that come up uh, as we come across them and, and hopefully, hopefully maybe get at why we like this, this movie so much. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Take it away. Yeah. Well, I, so I want to open just by saying uh, you know, I've already laid my cards on the table. I, you know, this is the best factual cycling uh, documentary uh, ever produced. And I actually think that that this movie, and I don't know if it's a chicken or the egg thing, but I think this particular documentary has a lot to do with the specific flavor of reverence that today's cycling aficionados hold for, for Paris-Roubaix. Like it really builds and and formulates this you know rom- romance around the race with the camera work and the music and and all that uh, stuff that you know the long lingering shots on all the the caps and <laughs> and the slow motion <laughs> just just all the tricks in this movie really emphasize the specialness of Paris Roubaix. Does that sound right? Like Yeah, and I I think that's a a nice point because I hadn't thought of it that way uh that that a Sunday in hell sort of sets the tone for some of the um vintage admiration or nostalgia or um sort of throwback aesthetic that a lot of cycling fans have both in terms of style and their appreciation for uh, the golden years of steel frames and down tube shifters. Sure. Yeah, this is the... And, oh, go, no, keep going. Yeah, well, one of the things that's nice about it is um, if you were to say, okay, make me an epic film about cycling. I, I kind of hate the word epic and the way that it's used, but that's yes. sort of the point. Sure. That's the point. Yeah. Um, make me an epic film about cycling. Uh, and then, you know, we've got these slow, you can imagine some sort of like slow-mo black and white shots and <laughs> coals in the Alps and these descend in this like intense music and maybe a little bit of heavy metal thrown in there yeah. and some like scratches and like blood running down someone's leg while they're still pedaling. Right. And it, so, my, you know, my point is, is that you, you can't necessarily try to do things that have the effect. And so when you say that a Sunday in hell sort of, uh, started off certain appreciations it it does so in this um kind of effortless way of you mentioned these lingering shots and um it's actually been a little while since i've watched a sunday in hell but of course the thing that's most vivid to me is uh the the opening scene is a mechanic preparing a bicycle and it's it's just quiet the bike is in the stand uh, and it it gives the feeling of um, that it's just before dawn. No one else is awake. The coffee hasn't been made yet. 
and this mechanic is starting this bike and he's kind of lovingly brushing oil and lubricant everywhere you know all over the chain um on the the pivots of the brakes and on the inside of the levers and sort of halfway through this a cello slowly comes in yeah very and, quietly at first and and gives you again sort of this feeling of of dawning and uh and that's what is is stirring and really evocative and gives this uh, this powerful sense of what to come is the calm before the storm. Yeah, it's the calm before. The, it really sets the tone uh, for the whole thing. And I mean, of course, this is you know this is the, the the movie that launched a thousand coffee table books. You know, with the uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know with the blood and great stuff. But you know, when I do think of of some of the other um, cycling documentaries, I've seen things like. Uh, Hell on Wheels, which is the German, well, the German uh, one about T-Mobile in 2003, and uh, Overcoming, which covered uh, CSC in 2004, which is awful, by the way, uh, mm-hmm. Overcoming. It's really bad. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, later, uh, 2009, there was another on uh, T-Mobile had become Team High Road, and there was Chasing Legends. And, and you know, it very much is that, like, open up on excitement we're going to drop you into the action you're going to be engaged and thrilled and we're going to have like close-up shots and it's going to be you know racers zooming by or like blood or like people getting like chiropractic practiced on them uh with like intense music playing uh and this is just eases you in with this very gentle cello and, and yeah this very careful attention to it's actually francesco moser's bike um being prepared for the big day and then it just take it and it does take from there a long time to build to the action so you're not you know we're not interspersing things you know like rider interviews with uh race prep or or you know riding the cobbles and like here's a moment from you know later in the race that we're using and then we're gonna uh to kind of get you into it you know we're at a critical point and then we're gonna be like what brought us here you know it's none of that it's it's a very slow burn, and it's also it's totally linear. Um, everything happens in strict chronological order, uh, which actually really works pretty well to build the suspense. Yeah, and then the other thing that um, that helps set it off is the narrator has like such economy with words. Everything is narrated with just occasional sentences. Yeah, it's oh and, oh and, yeah. No, and go it. on, go go on. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's you know there, there's not. It doesn't. It, it's so it's told in uh, like you mentioned this linear form, um, and with with long shots and it you know it doesn't cut back to somebody sitting in a chair in front of lights being interviewed or talking about what's going on. The the explanation is just in this this narration that is. Uh, it's so elegant how little it's actually used and how perfect it pulls transitions together. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on that point, actually, I, the voiceover is such a great, a great thing to um, mention because this is, it's worth mentioning. This is a foreign language film and it is a foreign language film with no translations at all. Uh, it is the only thing that you have is this voiceover to anchor you. And, and to let you know what's going on. Uh, but at no point does it ever 
uh, attempt to sometimes it'll say oh well you know the team director needs to go and tell roger de Vlaming that martins is coming up to the break and and that's the most you will ever get about what anyone is saying to anyone else uh and it's only conversations between people who are just on camera there are no talking heads uh, and i don't know if that's the 1970s um or just a choice and, and this is a danish filmmaker too so you know i don't yeah, know Jorgen what is right exactly so I, I don't really know what's going on there but yeah man <laughs> it's it's hard not to use the the word lovingly to describe how this film was produced and its take on the race it's so it's like it's tender and intimate and it's inside the action but it doesn't you know it doesn't just try and intensify things in a you know in this yeah. sort of stiff way that some contemporary things do um well and it doesn't try and it doesn't try to like dig emotion out of the protagonists by you know yeah having them sit down and well how did you feel when this happened or that you know <laughs> mm -hmm. which again i don't know if some of that is just the particular era in which this made was made it was a long time ago but um but but yeah it is very much relying on what you're watching in the voiceover and the music it's really it's it's the kind of thing I think it's it's safe to say that um it it could very strongly appeal to film buffs mm -hmm. and non cycling fans who enjoy you know a nice um aesthetic entertainment experience yeah it, it could have just really wide appeal so yeah. i would i encourage our listening demographic to uh make sure you watch a sunday in hell yeah um, make sure for you yourself watch it. seriously and then rec recommend it to other people who aren't cyclists and uh see if it see if it catches them a little bit yeah why don't we step through a little bit uh so okay we meet all the major players they all are apparently arrived driving sedans i kind of love this they all just drive themselves <laughs> eddie merck stepping out in his like it's a volvo leisure suit yeah oh and he said yeah, oh the 70s are all over this and it's great because it's not like you know nowadays you know there are things that they make that take place in the 70s and they're in you know the filmmakers are often being like hey it's the 70s check it out <laughs> and, and it's like it is really the 70s and all these people are really dressed this way and it's just it's just delightful i mean you know you've got the sideburns <laughs> you've got like the cars you've got um everyone is wearing team branded jumpsuits all the time <laughs> it's just i love that i love that <laughs> it's so amazing yeah so we meet all the players so we so we meet uh roger de Vlamink, who's won it three times and eddie murks who's won it three times um freddie martins and mark de mayer and uh uh francesco moser and you know we see them in their various team things wearing their jumpsuits <laughs> you know in team meetings and whatnot and there's just all the you know little prep stuff uh yeah and they get the bikes ready and and uh there's a, a doctor's appointment and all that kind of stuff uh and then you know we we go to race day and then you think, okay, we're going to start racing, but a lot happens before the race really gets going. Which is perfect because so much happens 
to make a bike race have a professional yeah. bike race and a major uh professional bike race it's sort of absurd the logistical footprint yeah that's something like Paris roubaix entails yeah um, if nothing else just thinking of a a caravan on the road that stretches miles you know starting with the like a, almost a parade of sponsors and then you know police and officials and ambulance and then the breakaway and then some team cars and then a little bit of a gap and then more riders and more team cars and more officials on motorcycles and cars and a couple more ambulances and trucks and more sponsor vehicles. It's that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, and and they cover this uh, too during during the course of the film where they point out all the vehicles. So and and it's and it's a lot even then and and you know one thing we can get to is how how ridiculously primitive this race seems <laughs> compared <laughs> to modern bike racing, but. But the elements are all there. I just have a couple things about the square because I think this, this, you know, the town square in, I, I guess, Compiègne um, is kind of interesting for just a couple small reasons. First, you see, like, a very young um, Daniel Mangeus on, like, his very first or second uh, assignment as announcer for a race. This is the Daniel Mangeus, the voice of the tour, um, the fa- very famous... Uh, uh, guy who would announce the Tour de France for many years and like just retired after this year or something like that. He actually shows up. Um, there's uh, my favorite little thing is there's this guy getting some kind of liniment or something like rubbed on his stomach by like a swan like he's holding up his jersey and and then he kind of like curtly like nods a bit with like a frown and like puts the shirt down like oh okay that's good (laughs) it's just like weird little things like that it's so great um you know and then they head out of town but there's a protest and this is one of the great things about this they don't this this movie doesn't brush over the fact that there is this uh protest by uh, workers who got laid off um, from their factory jobs uh, and they're blocking the course so early know, on in the race right it's early like on maybe it's like it's just a, after it's a, a at the depart or... or whatever it's like where the yeah. the depart rail the where the racing is the neutralized zone ends um, and they're actually just all blocking the road and um you know causing a stir chanting things they're throwing huge amounts of paper around <laughs> it's like they have these flyers or something and they're just they're just covering the road uh and you know and they bring out the gendarmerie and everything and, you know and it doesn't get glossed over it's like part of the uh, part of what's really i think effective and what why this movie is so good is that it's it covers the entire course of events including things that you might kind of naively think aren't really part of the race but um protests are a pretty regular part of bike races they happen all the time so and europe in europe yeah yeah in france in particular yeah <laughs> i remember i remember seeing a uh, some documentary about the tour de france and this extremely enthusiastic tour de france historian was saying that you know boring sports take place in a stadium but the tour de france takes place in the stadium is all of France. And, you know, he was very emphatic about this. But, you know, you, you take that idea of um, a bike race being being played out on, uh, on, on the land, on the terrain. And that's, um, you know, a sort of rich 
tapestry, if you will, of geographical and social forces that really shape that. And it's 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 right there in its social context. And yeah, French laid off French workers protesting is is part of what's happening in public. Yeah, it's yes, very much the tapestry of the land and the and the people and everything that's that that this whole bike race thing is about because it is you know about the, <laughs> it's corny I guess it is about the people right and that's that's part of the whole show and so so that I guess they they end up moving the motorcycles get driven over there's so many like rotund guys on motorcycles in this movie <laughs> it's great uh you know driving over huge piles of newspaper with great difficulty the race gets going um and then and, and so now the music starts again like the Rupe music uh and i wanted to bring it back to this because this is kind of what i'm thinking of when when there's this invocation of you know all the reverence and romance and history and everything that um, that is is evoked in a Sunday in, in hell, because we're at the finally the racing is going. We're at the opening stages, and we get this all male choral music. It's this it's this choral theme just chanting Roubaix over and over again. And it's like, uh, it's kind of like a benediction. You know, it's it's like we are opening with this hymn. Yeah. <laughs> to Roubaix. It's, it's very, I, and I hadn't, I hadn't thought about this until I was watching it thinking, oh, maybe we'll talk about this, you know, the other night. And, and it was like, oh man, it really is like this kind of, religious opening to an important public event yeah and it's and one of the things about this film is that i any attempt to replicate that would ring hollow but somehow yeah this almost gregorian chance yeah to to set the stage it's, for this it it works and not just because it's old you know not just because it's 39 years old well it is so 70s beautiful. earnest you know <laughs> <laughs> but without camp Without <laughs> right. without camp, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and then as we go on, and and of course the race goes on, and, and there's a bunch of stuff before the cobbles, and it, just so I don't forget it. So the music it starts out like this. You know, we mentioned the shallow when um, there's this. You know, the most evocative bike cleaning ever, um, <laughs> the most special bike cleaning scene ever. Uh, it, these 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 low strings like cellos and maybe some violas or something like that. And as the race kind of ratchets up towards its finale, we get, you know, percussion, and then we get this this really high, intense um, stuff late in the race, like violins or even something higher than that. It's almost like this whine where you're just like, yeah, what's going to happen? Just like really kind of pricking all the hairs on the back of your neck up, just like things kind, are Kind really of like the, the, the first shot of There Will Be Blood, if that if that rings a bell. Uh, I've seen it, but I don't remember what the first shot of that movie is off the top of my head. All right. That's fine. Let's move on. All right. We'll move on. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I don't want to step through all the various tactical moves that happen <laughs> in the race because, you know, watch it um, and we don't want to recap every little thing. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything that stands stands out to you that, that you want to highlight about what goes on or how you know how the movie portrays it or anything like that 
Um, yeah, I just keep coming back to that, but just opening the mechanic scene because mm. it it brings me such peace. Yeah, it is pretty great. Well, then, okay, rather... it's, it's 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 honest. It's genuinely meditative, and I should right learn to do yoga so I could do yoga to it. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah. Okay. So then, rather than than than, than really um, try and draw out every little thing, I just have a few little um, notes to pull through uh, on it, just because just things that struck me. Mm-hmm. Um, like suffice to say, we really like this um, documentary. Uh, so, Beautiful. so first would be the racing. So, uh, and I guess I mentioned the long shots and stuff like that. Part of why I think this really works is I mentioned, you know, nowadays there'd be these quick cuts and, and close-ups and all that. There are no quick cuts at all in this. The camera like always hangs out for a while doing whatever it's doing, you know, and especially when it's on the, one of the motos in the field, like, you know, it really does give you that sense of immersion. It's pretty amazing, especially given how, you know, how old this is. Um, but yeah, the racing, uh, I just think this is interesting because this race, this 1976 Pyrube, it does not play out like a modern race would. Um, but on the other hand, the modern Pyrube is more like a race, you know, this long ago than any other modern race is. Right, like the big names are active really early. Like Roger Devlamic is attacking on the very first Pave sector. <laughs> so it's it's I which it's like it's really different. It's a smaller field and, and everything. And I I just think when I when I see this, I think boy, this is like classical bike racing tactics. This is the strategic application of power to cause maximum pain, uh, and just you know beating each other to death. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. this is the kind of racing you actually see still in a lot of modern like category one two races in the USA, because when you have a wider range of of ability and strength than you do in like the modern professional peloton, this kind of racing works really well. If you're strong, right. you just you bludgeon early and often. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to see that. Um, I think um, the equipment. I think I mentioned this too. It seems really primitive, like <laughs> shockingly primitive. Like, remember, it's 1976. You know, we we put men on the moon at this point. Um, <laughs> you see the bikes. Oh, God, that is a hell of a way to contextualize it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, and 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 the <laughs> the the bike. Honestly, when you put it like that. So today, the 2015 Paris Roubaix, and John Degenkolb won it, and the bike that he rode to victory probably had you know more technology than the apollo capsule that <laughs> went to the moon yeah <laughs> right with the power more, more computing the power yeah oh definitely had more computing power in that probably not quite as many watts <laughs> no many many watts required to get into uh to the moon <laughs> Out of, out of into orbit but, but yeah they're on all these like box section tubulars like you know they made them super light in those days and it's like you see a couple like results of crashes and these wheels are just bent in half <laughs> like that doesn't happen anymore it, it really doesn't <laughs> like you know you sometimes hear people are like oh they don't make them like they used to you know decrying modern 11 speed wheels because the the dish is all wrong or whatever and it's you know and and modern wheels suck because the rims are too heavy. Oh, we had three hundred gram rims back in the day. They're all so heavy and stiff, and that's not how you make a big good wheel. But it's like I don't know, like the wheels that we 
<laughs> Modern technique of putting a longer strength in the rim seems to do a pretty good job of making wheels that don't fold in half. Yeah. When you hit a curve. Also, I mean, yeah. Also, you know, the the forty year old wheels that have survived are strong. Yes. Because yes. they've survived the, yes. the past forty years. So yeah. You don't. It's it's a survivor bias. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I guess just a couple more things. There's this weird moment mm-hmm. where, so, and we see all the, the various vehicles before they hit the pave, and, you know, oh, there's the broom wagon and the bike rack cart, which is actually kind of hilarious because it is like, it's like a sedan pulling like this open, <laughs> like, bike rack arrangement. It's so, oh, it's so primitive. It's like, oh my God. They're like, I don't want my bike on that. And, and, uh, the riders actually get into the broom wagon, which is like this dingy little van. <laughs> it is. I mean, if yeah, so the the broom wagon, you know, the the last vehicle, and when you're the race is still going on, but you are done racing, you climb into the broom wagon, and it's a it's a kind of a thing of shame to be uh, over. Yeah. To, and yeah, it, it would be a thing of shame if this is the damn wagon you had to climb into. <laughs> Seriously, it is. It is like the crappiest like van. Like the guy who gets in, it can't even get the door closed. <laughs> <laughs> He's like slamming it repeatedly. He's like, "What the hell's going on?" Though actually, there's that's like the one note I I had on this that I think is really weird. It is that right before we get the shot of the guy getting into the van and, and struggling to close the door, um, the the broom wagon passes the last breakaway rider, and you know the voiceover guy is like, "Oh yes, there he is, poor Boulas. He's like Jacques Boulas, who's in one of the breakaway riders, you know, completely done for, and you know his his race is over and all that. Um, and he's going to get picked up by the van. It cuts immediately to this guy getting into the van, and it's a different guy, <laughs> and it's really <laughs> confusing. Um, but anyway, whatever. Yeah, oh, and we've got like the most Euro director sportif ever, you know, big big rotund guy with a mustache sitting in the back of the car um (laughs) it's good stuff like that and and i guess finally well not finally um the podium ceremony is another one of the really primitive things um you just have the winner you know now you'd have um you know the three of them Uh, there's no cobble trophy he just gets like a lame bouquet uh, there's like boring. Yeah, uh, there's one podium girl, which you know, whatever. I don't think the podium girl thing is so great. No champagne, um, though. I guess I don't know if they did that at uh, Pyro Bay this year. And and it's just like some old dude like holding a, a banner over over the winner's head. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the elements are are mostly there, but it's it's really it is funny. And yet this is like well into the history of this race. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we close with the showers. It's, that's 80, 80 years yeah. into the history of the race. It is 80. It's the, yeah, 80 years in the beginning. Yeah, and, and then we, we uh, you know, have the iconic ending, I think, too, where everyone, all the riders go into these disgusting showers underneath the, the velodrome, the concrete shower stalls, and just uh, strip down in front of all the journalists and take a shower as <laughs> <So> they're getting <laughs> interviewed. And <laughs> and that's the movie, folks. That was Pyro Bay, 1976. <laughs> Good times. What a fine... It's a fine film. And it's... Yeah. Cycling is, you know, sufficiently dysfunctional that you you don't usually expect it to be uh, reflected well in, you know... Well, yeah. Good art. Yeah. Um, or even entertainment. 
And so to have something like this where you, where you could conceivably not be a cycling fan and think, wow, this is a this is a beautiful film. That's cool. Yeah, it is pretty neat. Uh, and, and yeah, it, it does kind of capture all those elements, too. It, it is like the romance and, and uh, the beauty and also just the kind of craziness of it. Um, you know, because there are these guys riding bikes over cobblestone roads. Um, you know, the, you can see how bad it is because at various points they they have some slow motion. You can see these guys just arm muscles bouncing all over the place. <laughs> it's it's, and you think like why? And there's so much dust. <laughs> it's so long. They're like, oh yeah, it's they're... pretty. Even even less than forty years ago, Paris Roubaix is ridiculous. Oh yeah, yeah, and this is. Uh, this is sort of just before or just after they began to realize, oh, the, the cobblestone roads are this national treasure that we need to preserve for this race. You know, <laughs> so um, right, this is kind of right at the turning point where people are maybe realizing that this is a big, like the cobblestone roads are the race. I don't know. Um, <laughs> is that, that it's like a, a nice thing, not just an right, awful thing? Right, because I think it was like... Uh, only about a decade or less before that, the, you know, the, the fastest ever Paris-Roubaix still was like in 1967 um, because the cobblestone roads were disappearing. But anyway, yeah, it, so it really does capture all that stuff. And yeah, just the grit and how kind of, and, and you really get an idea of how, how low budget <laughs> cycling was in those days and uh, <laughs> how crappy the economy in Europe was in the 1970s and, and all that stuff. So it's just, man, every, everyone is just so... It's just full of dirt balls on bikes. <laughs> <laughs> These very working class guys. Ah, oh, it's great. And if you want to see, um, it's it's worth watching. It is not nearly as good, um, but it is kind of interesting. Uh, you know, again to contextualize a Sunday in Hell. Um, Jurgen Leth has another cycling documentary, um, Stars and Water Carriers, that was filmed during the 1973 Giro d'Italia. The uh, Stars and Water Carriers has a, a, a famous portion of it of, uh, you know, during some stage of this Giro, all the riders, like, stop and raid a convenience mm-hmm. store. And apparently, like, the modus operandi was the riders just go and they get, like, they're getting, like, bottles of sparkling water. Yeah. And then, you know, eventually somebody from the race. Well, and beer like, and come, wine. And every, <laughs> yeah, beer and wine and someone from the from the the race organization just like comes afterward and writes the owner of the store a check <laughs> but then you see you see the riders riding away and they're they're opening bottles by like by by smacking the caps off against the stem of their bicycle so they're riding no handed using their steering mechanism to to whack open the bottles yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's that is it is a crazy scene and and the whole thing is kind of crazy that that movie i mean it's very much like the proto sunday in hell like it's got the narrator um but it's a little bit strange it's like not quite normal english <laughs> like it's it's almost like refined british accent but it's like little weird little things like talking about a mountain spurt instead of a mountain spurt and things like that um you know and it's it's just it's and it's kind of like vignettes um it's structured differently but it's 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 fun oh and the the, i should say the film quality at least of when i've seen it on youtube or whatever is really bad um it is (laughs) like super yellow like it is just not in good shape but 
but yeah, that's fun. That's fun to watch too. It is not nearly as good as a Sunday in Hell, um, but you you can totally see the kind of the the genes in there, mm-hmm. the the bones. All right, I think that's probably uh, enough time on that. We've we've uh, been chatting about Sunday in Hell for a while, so we we recommend you watch it. We enjoy this. We do this documentary. Uh, all right, all right. Hey, um, you know we haven't we haven't given a thumbs up to something in a while. That's that's a damn shame. We should do that every episode. We should do that every episode because, uh, despite what what you might think, uh, we like things. I would say. Do uh, we do we give the impression that we're just a bunch of whiners? I hope not. I hope not because we like things. Uh, we probably we like do. more things than we don't like. So we should talk about things that we like more. Yeah, we should totally do that. Well, I can tell you about something I like. Get it going. Yeah. Uh, it's that time of year when just one of the really great things that you have available to you as an entertainment and, and I don't know, a quality of life option is to get up on a Sunday morning, maybe a little early, um, but not, not outrageously early, you know, somewhere between like crack of dawn and pleasant quiet and to brew yourself some coffee, flip open the computer and find uh, a bicycle race going on somewhere in the world. And sit uh, sit down on the couch with your coffee and your laptop open, uh, watching bike racing, maybe reading some Twitters, following along. I like that. That is just that. a damn fine way to spend a Sunday morning. Yeah, make some breakfast. Uh, you know, some Belgian waffles. It, it, that is... Uh... That's <laughs> Heidi, Heidi and I. We we bought some some frozen Belgian waffles, and those were our breakfast nice. for uh for the Ronde van Vlaanderen. I like the low maintenance aspect of that in Paris Roubaix. Yeah, well, so we our apartment is is pretty small. There's no room for a waffle maker, ah. but there is a freezer. <laughs> Gotta have a freezer. Yeah, it's one of the things that <laughs> I, I don't know. It's it must seem very strange to anyone over in europe <laughs> you know right that this is like a morning thing <laughs> that, that we do this is a morning thing that we do but i think it works really well it's I... nice it will because the you know for so over here in the central time zone or whatever you know the a, a good race will end at like 10 a.m and that's just that's just a couple coffees and breakfast and then pull my kid on go for a ride yeah done in the afternoon sit around and eat everything in the house for the rest of the day <laughs> Sure, exactly. It's, it's a nice way to greet the day, and I think the coffee goes really well with bike races. Probably, I'm going to say better than beer. I'm going to say, maybe it's just because that's what I'm used to, but <laughs> but for me, like I, my, my bicycle yeah. race-watching beverage is coffee. Yeah. I got a little bit, I maybe got a little bit too caffeinated this morning and was... Mm-hmm was twitching a lot as uh as Degen Cole was bridging up to Greg Van Avermaet and Eve Lampert. Yeah, that was very exciting. And uh, it was very exciting and, and Heidi kinda looked at me and was like Are are you gonna be doing that for the next ten kilometers or what's going on over here? <laughs> uh, I'm usually alone on Sunday morning, so I can be okay. as I can be as twitchy as I want. Well 
someday we'll we'll fix that and you'll you'll come on over <laughs> that's right could watch the bike racing together uh yeah. it, i we'll get really, neighbors <laughs> yeah i get really confused because well not because so i, I get really confused when there's a race taking place in the United States <laughs> that I want to oh, watch. Oh, it's all it's at the wrong time of day. It's at the wrong time of day. It's like especially the tour of California or something like that <sighs> where they're on Pacific time. So it's like the race is starting at like 5 p.m. or something. Uh and it just it makes no sense. It's like come on, I got things <laughs> to do. Like, you know, I got to go home from work. I got to make dinner. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm a busy man. <laughs> you know, like I yeah. Although although a couple weeks ago there was a um NCC crit going on that was being live streamed, the Sunny King crit. Uh oh, but those are and Twilight. A, a friend of ours Yeah, it was, it was a Twilight crit, so a friend of ours was like, Hey, I'm gonna be watching my teammates in this crit, so you know, come on over and bring snacks. And so it was really cool to like go over like for an evening party and like eating some snacks and drinking some wine and watching a bike race. Like that was kinda cool. I could I can get on that. I can get on board with that train. So yeah, it's I like my races in the morning. It can be fun to yeah. do them at a different time, but all the but same. But very confusing. Very confusing. All right, I think that about does it. That's that's it. Yeah, that's all we have to say about that. That's all we have to say about that. This is the Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program, and that's all we have to say about that. Are we gonna Are we gonna keep doing this? <laughs> I like that actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I like that quite a bit. That's all. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> okay, you've been listening to the Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program. Uh, my name is Greg. He's Matteo. You can find us true. on the Internet Machine. Uh, the you can email us, for example. All right, so you could email the program at honestbikeprogram at gmail dot com. You can get in touch with mm-hmm. me. You can. Oh no! Well, you can tweet to the program. Yes, you can tweet the program. Don't, I, oh, Greg, don't forget tweeting to the program. Oh, I, I, I forget to push our Twitter, our social media accounts enough. So I'll mention. We that. are the program. You'd be tweeting at us, yeah. Yeah, well, you can tweet at us. Uh, we we do tweet have an account for the show itself, which I, I suggest you follow because it has the news of what's coming out and and all that, and will be more consistent. Uh, that is at underscore whbp. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, by the way, so so find us on Facebook. Just look for the Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program. Very proud of that. Uh, put a lot of work into that Facebook page. <laughs> and, of course, you can tweet us. I'm at Groly, and Matteo is at underscore Matteo, yes? Yes, indeed. All right. Any final, any final words for the ladies and gentlemen, Matteo? You know, on... Uh... This is like, you know, like we've said, this is Roubaix Sunday for us. I just, I encourage our listeners to go out and, and ride their bicycles over, over some bumpy things. Yeah, it's right now. Yeah, go do it. Right now. Go. Okay. Uh, okay, I'm glad, I'm glad right. you guys did that. Glad you're back. Uh, so, we'll catch you next time. <gasps> we'll catch you next time. Good night.